0: James I've got a question for you today so I'm so excited to hear it should I break into a tangent first before you ask the question I noticed you were rushing into it before I could break <laughs> into a tangent
1: well I will say this if you didn't break into a tangent first I would be a little bit taken off guard uh, because that's usually what you do. So, here, why don't we do this? Why don't I start again, and we'll just see where it goes. Okay. Hey, James, I got a question for you today. Go so for it. So, it goes, oh, now I don't know what to do. I didn't actually have a question. I was bluffing. I was waiting on your tangent. You no, didn't have one. James, I got a question for you today. Yes. Seriously. So, earlier, we talked a little bit about Festivus, the great, um, the great invented holiday. And um, Festivus includes an, a public airing of grievances. And uh, we, we said we'd get to that later, and here we are. It's later. In the new year now. And so I just wanted to ask you, my question of the day is, James, what are some of the things that really bother you that you wish didn't bother you? Some grievances you have that you really wish or think or would have thought you would get beyond? Let me see. Uh, a few
0: months ago, my wife left me and went left the country, lives in Argentina now permanently. <laughs> and so that's a grievance i'm still that's a grievance. working through that's a grievance and it's a somewhat painful grievance but you know i think it's important to focus on friendships which i've been doing that's actually been like something that's totally saved my life in the past few months being creative every day. you notice
1: day. i let you win at backgammon today
0: i know thank you very much i'm very grateful for that I actually didn't in fact at the beginning of our match what did i say to you you said you were not going to I let said, me I said, don't win.
1: expect any pity from me, James. I'm not going to take it easy on you. And instead, you went out and crushed me like a bug.
0: But I will notice that you and many other friends have been unbelievable as kind of a support system. And that's very important for anybody going through any kind of trauma. I think it's very important to take care of your health. I think it's very important to be creative every day because that keeps my brain moving and not dwelling on on the bad. And I think even in the most difficult situations, find the things you're grateful for. So I've been obviously grateful for these friendships. I've been grateful for different avenues in my creativity. I've been grateful we're doing this podcast and getting a great response to it. So these are the things that, although I've been grieving, I've also been trying to be so-called anti-fragile, to come back stronger, and these techniques have been great for me coming back stronger
1: so that is a major league grievance yes right I, i'm Your not wife... even saying like why it's happened but it's no, just happened right but no that's uh so i have to say that when i asked you the question i wasn't expecting the top shelf grievance oh well, i'm always honest so you should have expected that's one of many things we love about you uh but i guess when i think of the word grievance to me it connotes something that we whatever whine complain about grieve oh, that cab, doesn't th- cab
0: drivers raise the rates this month uh, i'm upset about
1: that did they really <laughs> no oh. something <laughs> that we complain about that doesn't necessarily warrant you know more like a pet peeve i guess i'm thinking or something that gets you bent out of shape out of proportion to I, I, the to the actual infraction i have to say nothing in the
0: world really bothers me other than like something traumatic hmm like, what What could be a pet peeve that honestly bothers you? Like, I
1: guess that's just, see, I think I have, I think I and most people have a lot, but I think it's true. I think you are a little bit either super or subnatural in that way. You
0: know what I do? I practice. So the other day, I went to the corner of Prince Street between Lafayette and Crosby, and I lay down on the ground and pretended to be homeless and asked people for money as they passed. And I think if you practice doing stuff like that, not that I was homeless or could even equate or even understand what it really means. But I think if you just do stuff from like that, like look at the world from different angles, it sort of helps with with other things. Now, why would you do that? I, it was warm out, and I wanted to be outside, but I was really tired. But you can
1: be outside without pretending to be
0: homeless. Well, I wasn't really pretending to be homeless. I was just tired, so I decided. Were you, were you asking for money? Yeah, I was asking for money. Well, that's kind of pretending to be homeless. Well, nobody gave me any money, so it doesn't
1: mean you weren't trying. It just means you were bad at it. <laughs>
0: It's true. Uh, I think one homeless person was f- trying to fish through their pockets to find me money, but they didn't come up with anything. But I really just wanted to sleep. I was tired. Why'd you want to sleep outside? It was warm. So I felt like being outside and seeing people. And you know, did- here's the thing. I've been missing seeing people. So I wanted to be outside and see people, but I was also so tired I wanted to fall asleep. And what happened? I slept for a while. On the street, yeah.
1: On, on the sidewalk, lying I, all the way down. Would you? I have photographs if you what'd want to you see. Would you put your head on? Did you have a pillow? No, I had my arms. I put my mom on my arms. You were lying on your stomach with your arms on your, yeah. With your head on your arms. Wow. Yeah. And then I took some pictures too. How'd you take pictures while you were lying there? You took selfies? No, I took.
0: I did, like there was a fire hydrant right next to me, and I took pictures. Like I just held the camera up, and this is a whole escapade. Yeah, it's interesting though to do things like that that are like outside of your comfort zone. So that was outside of my
1: comfort zone. I noticed that today when we were playing backgammon in a restaurant. You started yelling at the top of your lungs. Well, just well, once. I really
0: needed double sixes to to win. You did need double
1: sixes, but at lost. the top of your lungs, you shouted double sixes in a restaurant full of people, and they they definitely all turned around and looked at us. I think it's important, and you were embarrassed. You even I heard you you,
0: you had a reflex, Shh. like you it was a reflex. I'm sure I, sure I did. Yeah, Sorry I about think. That. <laughs> I think it's important to dare yourself to, to do something new every day, to take yourself out of the comfort zone, to be ag-
1: scared a little bit each I day. I agree generally, but I also think that it's a, it's a nice thing and generally a good thing to not bother other people in public. I don't know. If, uh, you think I was bothering them? I feel bad about that now. Let me put it this way. If, we, if I was talking today to one of those people, who I, none of whom I knew, and I said, what's your grievance? You know, today's the airing of grievances. They would have said, oh. That guy. People who shout in restaurants. <laughs> who does I'm he trying, think he is? Who does he think he is asking for double sixes of all like, things? we were trying to eat soup. <laughs> he was yelling double sixes. This you know, speaking party. of you and homeless, pretending to be homeless for a little while, I've noticed that on the Upper West Side where I live, There has been reportedly an increase in the homeless population in New York over these last several years, which some people have made a lot of hay out of for a variety of reasons, one of which being that our current mayor, the mayor of the last few years, Bill de Blasio, is a rather liberal progressive mayor. And he vowed to uh, take on the homeless problem in a way that um, Mike Bloomberg, the previous mayor, who he considered kind of cold-hearted, did not. And as it turns out, the homeless population has reportedly increased under the new progressive liberal mayor. That's the political, you know, Kind of foundation. But there do seem, at least by my anecdotal observations, to be a lot more homeless on the upper West side than I've seen in the last several years. But one thing I've noticed since I started looking at them, so they so all look like me. They don't look that different, except they're even younger than you. They're pretty well kept, and they're always doing something behind their cardboard sign that asks for money. They're usually either doing Sudoku. Or a crossword puzzle or reading, or the other day I saw a guy uh, texting on his smartphone. What do you think that is? Because mo- I think it's mo- that just to add
0: most homeless people at some point in their lives had, let's say, a major schizophrenic or bipolar episode. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of evidence of that. And whatever happened is that kind of burn them away from their family and friends and institutions and so they have they have no sense they, they had nowhere to go and so they ended up homeless yeah
1: I, I think the uh, incidence of mental health and or alcohol drug abuse among the homeless is extraordinarily high I think that we know but you know the more I tr- have tried over the years to find out about this like who the homeless really are not, actually what I was looking into was who panhandlers really are because there's often a big distinction between panhandlers and homeless but we assume that most panhandlers are homeless. As it turns out, what I think is happening is that if you can find a neighborhood kind of like the Upper West Side of Manhattan that is very there's a lot of density, there's a lot of wealth, a lot of opportunity for people to ask for money, I think it's basically um, a way to make some money for people who don't have any other easy way to make money. So if I'm 24 years old, maybe I graduated college, maybe I didn't, maybe I went to a little college, maybe I didn't, maybe I had a job and maybe I didn't. I could see going out and setting up shop for the day and doing Sudoku for six or eight hours with a sign. And if I get 60, 80, 100 bucks, which I think is very easy to do in New York, then that's a lot better than doing Sudoku at home on my mom's couch. That's a good point. I think it's worthy
0: to walk around and ask each one how much they're making. Although, but they might lie.
1: I've actually um, just started to pull the trigger on that very project. Although, you know, I've seen people do that kind of project before, and it is really hard to do well, because this is one of those realms in which the good data, the data you really want, are very hard to come by.
0: I'll tell you, like, they want to get paid to talk to you. So because I've also tried this project and it's hard to get real information. Forgetting about the fact that they might also be mentally ill, it's hard to get real information out of people who their job is to figure out how to get money from you anybody who approaches them so there's no reliable information there for better or for worse I'm not criticizing homeless people for mm-hmm. not, why should they give you the real information but uh, uh, I, think you can, I think it's a hard project to do unless you just sit there and watch <laughs> hold on listen to this ad and we'll be right back QOD fans, March Madness is almost underway. You're probably scrambling to figure out which teams are good this year. And yet, we all know Susan from The Office is going to randomly fill out her bracket and beat you anyhow. What you really should be doing, and this is important to me, I cut myself shaving all the time, like almost every other day. So what you really should be doing is figuring out how to get a good clean shave at an affordable price. And by the way, if you like Cinderella stories, a startup by the name of Harry's, is taking on the razor giants and winning guys over left and right. Finally, Harry's has given me a razor blade where I'm not cutting myself, so I definitely recommend using them. Their blades are super sharp and provide a close, comfortable shave that makes you look great. I'm going to tell you a quick story. One time I was meeting with a billionaire investor. I had just cut myself shaving, and he had to hold the napkin on my face to absorb all the blood while... I was pitching him. No longer will I have to do that with Harry's razor blades. Over one million guys have already made the switch and thousands more switch every day. Why pay $32 for an eight pack of blades when you get them for one half the price at harrys.com? The Harry's starter set is an amazing deal. For just $15, you get a razor, moisturizing shave cream, and three razor blades. Harry's doesn't like to discount because their prices are already real low, but we've worked out a special offer for listeners of Question of the Day. Harry's will give you $5 off your first order with promo code QUESTION. Stop overpaying for a great shave. Go to harrys.com right now. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S.com.
1: Enter the code QUESTION at checkout. I'm going to tell you what my real grievances, and I'm curious to know if this is, if you share this or not. People who yell double sixes. We've already established that. Your so, second grievance. Th- this is my big one. So, do you like basketball? you follow basketball at all or not really?
0: Basketball is my favorite sport. <laughs> it's Curtis Blow.
1: <laughs> um, does James Altucher follow basketball? Do you like I, it? or I,
0: I don't follow it, but I, but you I like it, to play. Okay, yeah. right.
1: You like to play. Right, you like to play. You know how, so you know that, When you see a really beautiful... So Kobe Bryant not long ago announced that he's going to retire at the end of this year. And I think you and I would agree that Kobe Bryant was a pretty good basketball player. And he, like a lot of certain kinds of position players, have unbelievable what what they usually call court awareness, right? Which just means that it's kind of a combination of like savvy and peripheral vision and a sixth sense. But it's basically a sense that even when you're moving full speed through traffic, you kind of have a feel where for where all the spaces are, where all the other people are, where the basket is, where the lane is, where the lines are, and so on. And to me, I I think- Let me
0: ask you, do you think that's what separates a guy like Kobe Bryant from, let's say, the next tier of basketball players?
1: They might not have the same court sense? No, I do not, because I think court awareness is a fantastically valuable tool but being able to shoot really, really well, um, I would argue, is a much more valuable tool. So okay. I, I don't know. It'd be a really fun research project for somebody to try to work on. The hardest part, however, would be to measure court awareness.
0: Well, well, you can stop a mid-game and ask where everybody is. And just keep well,
1: you could, but uh yeah, not so, but there are those who've been working on technology in shoes and in the floor to measure every player's movement um on the whole court and and this is getting there so when I first uh encountered this a few years ago with a guy who was the analytics guy for the Celtics, he was trying to bring a kind of money ball approach which was common in baseball then to to basketball for, and with the Celtics. And this is a guy named Mike Zarin, and and we went up and wrote about him the year that the Celtics actually won the NBA championship, um, which you could argue wasn't that dependent on metrics. They had Kevin Garnett, you know, they, they had great, great players. But there were some instances in which their appreciation for analytics seemed to have maybe helped them a little bit. But furthermore, they were trying to push the envelope, although, sorry, to be tangential, you know how people always say push the envelope? Yes. And you know what it means, right? Yes. But that's not the phrase that that's not the original phrase. Yeah, I can't figure out why push the envelope would mean being cutting edge. Right, so this comes from the right... When's the last time you saw an envelope? This comes from the right stuff... And the original phrase was, you have to push the outside of the envelope, the envelope being some kind of flying space that the pilots and then the astronauts were in. So you have your envelope, which is your kind of containment zone or something like that. And if you want to push the outside of the envelope, it means to get up to and maybe go beyond the barrier in which you're expected to operate. And that's why it makes sense. But you don't just push the envelope; you have to push the outside of the envelope.
0: So, so a that's fascinating. But now I still don't understand what you were saying about Kobe Bryant, and B, how is this related to your grievance? <laughs> so right. I'm just kind of getting uh, there. Getting um, there. I'm, it's like you're actually being really good at tangents today. So, so I'm just trying to
1: like bring it back. I appreciate it. Okay, court awareness is something that a good basketball player, for instance, or other good athletes, will have in spades. And it's something that I really appreciate when anybody has in any situation, which is to say that when you're dealing with other people, if they don't have a kind of an appreciation for the setting that they're operating in, for the people and the kind of people that they're around, and for the kind of behaviors that are, you know, acceptable and not, it's not so much about the the rules of the place you're in. It's just like an understanding that you are one person. Perhaps in a bunch of people, and that everything doesn't revolve around you. And that I, are you still
0: criticizing my double I, sixes I'm yelling? I'm totally not talking about work. you
1: anymore. I <laughs> promise, right. I'm not talking All about right, you I was anymore. About to feel no, because I feel like you're a pretty <laughs> considerate guy. You don't. You don't make a. You don't stand. But but you know how there are people who just don't have a court awareness in their everyday life that they they'll be in an environment and they'll operate as though that environment was built just to suit them. I do, and I think. That happens in all areas of
0: life. It's like a, a huge sense of entitlement it might happen in your work life, might happen in your relationships, might happen in you know random social situations like a party or whatever. But uh, I do.
1: So that's my grievance. My but what's, a,
0: what's your specific example of that?
1: Oh, like that you grieve. I would say it's whenever I'm with someone, and and look, I'm not saying I'm unguilty of this. Rather than talk about the grievance, to me the prescription is greater self-awareness. So to me, one of the most human traits that humans have and one of the most beneficial traits that humans have is the ability to be really self-aware and to self-regulate. And that is something that I, you know, when I hear people, whether it's in a political debate or just a bunch of people sitting around talking, when they will say or do things that they've given almost no thought as to how it might be received by anyone else, that to me betrays a kind of lack of self-awareness that I think is really a drag, and it creates friction and partisanship and lack of productivity, lack of collegiality, lack of cooperation, and so on.
0: Uh, I agree with that. It's almost like advising people to take a step back on their opinions before freely expressing them. Oh, that's so stupid. Oh, (laughs)
1: you mean like... Oh, yeah. That's a good idea, James. Different day, same question-based podcast. What do we solve next time? Stay tuned. Hey, how's it going? This is Chris Gethard. Hey, Chris Gethard. I'm anonymous. Hey,
0: Earwolf listeners. My new show is called Beautiful Stories from Anonymous People. Every week, I open the phone line to one anonymous caller, and I can't hang up first, no matter what happens.
1: It's going to surprise you. I could catch this train. You're going to jump on
0: that train? Yeah,
1: I think I'm going to try and stay on the call. I don't know how much time we have. Ooh, I would love that. Move you. I would rather go
0: out having done something or try to do something really great.
1: Make you laugh.
0: I also sing about poop. I love to sing about poop. It's beautiful anonymous. One phone call, one hour, no names, no holds barred. Listen on Earwolf.com, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Here's a peek at what we have in store for you next time on Question of the Day. I have a question for you today. This is actually an economics question. Okay. I went to a library the other day, and... What the heck, you thought? They're giving these things away for free to read. Exactly. Yeah. Why does anyone go to bookstores when right in front of you, in every town, and particularly in New York City, there's a hundred of them, they're giving the books out for free. Well, first all of, of all, the books, first every of all. book is for free. More <laughs> books than Barnes and Noble is for free.
1: Question of the Day is produced and mixed by Nathan Rossborough with Allison Hockenberry.